This week, we're resharing one of our listeners' favorite episodes from 2019. On January 6th, we'll be back with fresh episodes, including some big interviews that you don't want to miss. Stay safe and happy trails. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today, Jero and I are going to be talking about trailside repair tips. So, Growing up in the 90s, I was a big fan of the MacGyver TV show. I don't know if some of our listeners are familiar with the show, but MacGyver was this guy. I don't know who he worked for. Oh, he worked for the Phoenix Foundation, actually. And uh, he was the guy that they sent in to like solve various problems with terrorists and bad guys and stuff. And at, on the show, he would always like get into this situation toward the end of the show where, you know, he's like locked in a room or like, he's got to get out of some jam. And he was the guy who could find like everyday items, just whatever's in the room and like build a bomb or like solve the problem basically with whatever he had. And so I've always loved that idea. I'm not like super creative like that myself, but there are a lot of things like that that you can do to help yourself out of a jam on the mountain bike trail. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is tips for getting yourself out of a jam. So Jero, what are some items that you carry in your pack or on your bike that you use for emergency repairs? All right. Zip ties are a good idea. Um, an extra quick link that's the right size for your chain, a tube, patches, tire plugs, uh, an extra derailleur hanger, always. Oh, wow. That's that's being prepared. Yeah, I actually keep a derailleur hanger zip-tied underneath my saddle, so it's just I don't have to like look for it or make sure I have the right bag or whatever. It's just there. Right. That makes sense because that hanger only goes with one of your bikes. I mean, one of my problems is having all the stuff on all my bikes, you know, I mean, a lot of us have multiple bikes and we're like, Oh shoot, where's my patch kit? Is that on the full suspension or is that on my hardtail? But yeah, with the, it makes sense with the derailleur hanger, you just zip tie it to that bike. Cause that's the only one it goes to. For sure. Yeah. I have a couple of bikes with steel hangers where if it bends, you just bend it back and it's fine usually, but, uh, it's a little, it can be a little trickier. And I would add, a, you know, for really long rides, I would add a set of brake pads to that list. They don't weigh anything or take up much space. And, you know, if it starts raining and you're doing a bunch of descending, you're going you're gonna to cook your brake if you just ride without any padding left. Yeah. Yeah, duct tape is definitely one of the old standbys. And, yeah, a lot of people, like, wrap it around their frame or whatever. And these days, what, it's it's Gorilla Tape. I think that's the brand name that's, like, even stickier than the old school duct tape. But one of my friends was just telling me that he did that, you know, he wrapped some gorilla tape around his frame on his carbon bike and he went to go take it off and it actually peeled off like a layer of the, of the carbon fiber, like of the resin and the clear coat and everything. So that stuff's super sticky. Be careful where you put it on your bike. Yeah. That's how you know it's strong when it tears your bike apart. <laughs> yes. So Tools wise, I mean, obviously most of us are going to carry a multi-tool. Um, one of the things that I've found is really helpful on a ride is a pair of needle nose pliers or, you know, just pliers in general. And I'm kind of surprised they aren't on most multi-tools, I guess, because it's going to make it heavier and bulkier. But there's been a lot of times when somebody's helped me out of a jam because they had a, a proper set of, you know, pliers. Yeah, I think there's a few, I mean, that's a super useful tool. I agree, especially when you need to get a tubeless valve out or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and it's like just basically glued in. Right. There, I think there's some multi tools that aren't made for cycling that you're more likely to find a like a small plier on the. Yeah. Right. Like a Leatherman. I mean, a Leatherman is great, but yeah, it's got a lot of stuff that maybe you don't need, and those are heavy. Um, but yeah, just last night, a friend used a set of pliers to get a stick that was like wedged behind his cassette and like, can't get your fingers in there. And it was really hard to do. And yeah, needle nose pliers save the day. Yeah. can make a big difference. Also throwing in just a small pocket knife and a lighter is uh, always a good idea. can help with all kinds of stuff. Yep. Both good survival tools as well. The lighter in particular. So, Jero, how do you like to work on your bike on the side of the trail? I feel like there's some debate about this, some discussion. What's what's your usual go-to move when you're working on the trail? If, I, if there's one available, I find a sturdy tree and hang it from the saddle. Oh, cool. Like with a branch and everything. Totally. Yeah, it just yeah. usually makes everything easier and I don't have to like pick dirt and junk out of my drivetrain afterward. <laughs> <laughs> right. Kind of depends on where you're at and what needs to be worked on, though. But uh, especially if the wheels need to come off, I like to hang it in a tree if it's possible. Yeah, I'm, I notice when I'm riding with friends, particularly like a bigger group, it's usually there's somebody that's willing to help you out. They'll hold up your bike, lift up the bike if you need to like cycle the drivetrain or whatever. That's really handy if you're riding with somebody. And then, you know, a lot of people, their go-to move is like flip the bike over and, and work on it upside down. And I think, I feel like we had a discussion about this on the forums recently, or maybe it's a couple of years ago about that. And I noticed some people make fun of people doing that. You know, it's like some people think that's a noob move to like, you know, flip your bike upside down. That's definitely how I used to work on my bike when I was a kid, but yeah, it's, it's fine. You can do that and don't worry about how it looks like if that's how you're comfortable working on your bike, like it's totally legit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, flipping your bike upside down is also often the fastest way to deal with it. Like if you're racing and you just need to take care of something quick, flip it over. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're taking a wheel on or off or whatever, Yeah, it's much easier. I guess not with the dropouts these days. I mean, most bikes have the through axles, so you can't just like lift it up and out quite the same. Although I guess you can. So yeah. Don't be afraid to just do whatever's convenient. But I like your tip for hanging it from a tree branch. That that sounds super pro. <laughs> it, it can work pretty well when there's one around. It's also helpful to find something, like take your helmet off and put all the stuff you take off your bike in it. Maybe not your helmet, but put it somewhere so that you can find it when you're done. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I've, I've had many situations where I lose some little bolts or screw or whatever and trying to find it on the ground is impossible. Yeah. Or even your skewers, you know, like they can get dropped into a pile of leaves and there goes your next half an hour of riding. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's surprisingly, I mean, yeah, even something as big as a skewer, it just disappears in leaves somehow. I've been there, done that. So what sort of general advice do you have for attempting trailside repairs? That's a good question. I think, you know, it kind of depends on the situation. But if you've got time, try and kind of stay calm. Take your time. Mm -hmm. Think about the time of day and whether you can really make the repair or not. Like if, you're, if your rotor is rubbing and it's 20 minutes before sundown, maybe you can wait till you get back to the car or get back home to deal with it. And then also thinking about if, you, you know, if it's raining, do you have another layer? Like throw that on when you pull over to, to fix whatever you need to fix because you're going to cool down pretty quick. Right. Good point. 
staying calm is definitely really important. I mean, a lot of times, cause when you're writing, you know, you get your journaling going and you, you might be out of breath and then boom, like your, your drivetrain blows up and all of a sudden you're like, Oh shoot, I need to fix this. But for me, I definitely need to like take a minute, calm down. Don't, don't get frustrated and be like upset about it. Cause you're not going to do the repair as well as you should. You know, I've been in that situation where I've had like a flat tire and this was, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but it was one time that I got really dehydrated on a trail in Arkansas riding by myself, but I I had a flat tire. This is sort of what all kicked it off was I had a flat tire. I had a spare tube. So I threw the tube in, but I was, it was just really hot and I was really uncomfortable and I just wanted to like get it done quickly so I could get moving on my bike again and head back to the car, but didn't really check it very well. I don't know if I had a thorn in it or what it was, but I put the spare tube in and then of course that thing went flat and then, yeah, I was in big trouble. So that was one of those situations where if I had just taken the time to like do the repair correctly, like sit down, have a drink, like cool off a little bit and then, then do the repair, it would have worked out a lot better. I don't know if you've run into that yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just taking the time to chill out a little bit. And sort out what's actually going on and why the problem happened. Yeah. And another piece I would add to that is kind of considering whether you really need to fully fix this thing right now or if you can wait till you get back home and make it really work. Like if your derailleur's bent, your hanger's bent a little bit and you try to bend it back, you might break the hanger. And if you don't have an extra one, then you're going to single speed it. (laughs) Right. So, you know, sometimes it can be worth it just to turn the limit screw and ride home with less gears. You, know, you kind of got to weigh the, weigh the options. Yeah. And some of the solutions that we're going to talk about here, you know, they may cause serious damage to your bike. You know, you might start out with a flat tire and then by the time you get back, you're going to have a destroyed rim as well. So, you know, you need to weigh the, the convenience factor with the potential repair bill that you're going to get when you get back home. So it's, it is a trade-off. You can either get out quickly or you can save your money and (laughs) take your time and and get back more slowly. So yeah, totally. Sometimes it's worth it just to walk. Yeah. Good point. So yeah. Any more general tips for trailside repairs, Drew? I would say just, uh, it's nice to remember to help people out. Like if you're stopped and somebody has got a flat or whatever's going on with their bike, everybody knows different things about how to fix bikes. And maybe, you know, or someone else knows a faster, easier, or better way to get things done and get the ride underway again. So yeah, just helping folks out instead of standing around can be nice. Yes. Yeah. Our collective knowledge as mountain bikers is, is huge. And even if you listen to this whole podcast and our amazing tips, you're still not going to know everything. And maybe you do, maybe you'll know all of these and you'll, you'll go by somebody who's working on their bike and you're like, aha, I know exactly what you can do. So yeah, share the knowledge and We'll all get smarter in the process. Okay, so let's talk specific problems. We're going to go through different parts of the bike that might break and talk about ways that you can fix it on the trail. So start with brakes. One of the problems that I've had is glazed brake pads. So, you know, you do a big descent and you're white knuckling like I tend to do and your brake pads just 
they start to lose power, basically. You may not know what it is. You may think, oh, man, I, I like boiled my fluid or, you know, just something is wrong with the brakes. But oftentimes it can be the pads. The pads can get glazed over. And so at home, you'd rough them up with sandpaper to get it sort of rough again. But on the trail, you can you can pull the pads out and then scratch them against a rock or, you know, some other rough surface. And actually had, um, when we did a ride with Aaron from single tracks on Pike's Peak, you know, this was like a 7,000 foot descent. And by the bottom of it, I had, I had nothing left. I was like, man, what's wrong with these brakes? I thought the brake pads were just gone. Um, but he was smart enough. He, you know, he pulled them out and looked at them. He's like, no, you know, there's plenty of stuff left on them, but they're just completely smooth. You know, it looked like a, like a smooth rock went through like a rock polisher. And so, yeah, he just like scuffed them up on the concrete and then they were good to go. So that's a pretty easy one. Oh, that's sweet. What about a bent rotor? Have you had any luck with trying to true rotors on the trail, Drew? Yeah, a bit. That's another one that sometimes it's better to listen to it and wait till you get home. A lot of rotor truing tools are pretty, they have, they make pretty acute bends. And so if I bend a rotor on the trail and it's seems manageable, I'll usually try and bend it back just with my hands with gloves on. So you don't get burnt. Oh, wow. Just cause if you go a little too far that way, you're not making like a hard angle in it, which can happen with some tools or you can put a stick in it and kind of pry it back. Yeah. Generally something a little softer works pretty well. You just want to make sure to put gloves on so you don't get cut or burned while you're doing it. Yeah. Is it, you know, yeah. Again, I don't want to tell anybody to do anything that's unsafe here or suggest any of that. Um, And so I'm just asking the question, but if you had a, a rotor that was like seriously bent and you're not able to get it back at all, would it be safe to just pull the pads out so that it can at least clear the calipers and, and ride home with a single brake. Would that be something that you would do? That seems fine. Yeah. I don't see why not. If your rotor is bent that much. Yeah. you got a pretty serious problem. Yeah. I mean, they're actually fairly easy to bend, even though they're made out of steel. Mm-hmm. You should be able to get it back. So that it'll at least pass through your brake. But yeah, if not, I don't see any reason. I mean, other than if you have another long descent coming up, you might want both brakes, but Right. And depending on your preference, yeah, you might want the front. If you were just running one brake, you might prefer just the front or you might prefer just the back. So I suppose you could swap rotors or do something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, you get back. Uh, what about if you lose hydraulic pressure? Is there anything you can do for that? I mean, nobody carries around like a bleed kit and, and dot fluid with them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely it happens every once in a while when you need to bleed your brakes or also when you change pads and you push the plungers back out, put in a new set of pads, and then the system is just charged in a weird way. So one thing you can do if your lever's going all the way to the bar is pull it really fast back and forth a bunch of times and see if you can get it to react, get your caliper to react again. Mm-hmm. Usually you can, if not, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of solutions for this problem, really. Like <laughs> you just are going to ride back with one or no brakes and walk, right. walk the descents. But the one thing you can try is, like I said, just squeeze it a whole bunch and see if it returns. And then if that does work, you probably have to keep doing that while you're riding because yep. you're kind of moving the bubble around and I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it saved me a few times to just modulate the thing over and over again until it 
till I got back. Yep. I've experienced the same thing. Yeah. Where you just kind of pump the lever and yeah, every fourth or so pull on it, it'll actually grab and then, and then it'll stop grabbing again. So that can definitely work. Okay. What about drivetrain stuff? It seems like I'm always having drivetrain problems. And part of that, I guess, is the trails that I ride. A lot of them aren't really well maintained. So I get sticks and all kinds of stuff grabbing my derailleur. So what do you do if you've got like a broken or lost derailleur? People always tell me like, oh, just single speed it. But I'm always like, wait, how? Like, how does, <laughs> how does that work? So could you walk us through how you might do that? Sure. It's definitely going to be easier on a hardtail than it is on a squishy bike. But if you're on a full suspension bike, the first thing I would do is lock out the rear shock so that the suspension's not affecting the chain as much. And then um, you're going to take your chain off and hopefully have a chain tool. Can't do this without it. Yep. And wrap the chain around the chain ring and kind of the straightest line back to the cog that's in the straightest line with the, ch- the chain ring in the back. Okay. Is that usually like the middle, around the middle of the cassette? It depends, but yeah, roughly it might be a little higher gear than you really want, but it it'll it should get you home. Yeah, and then you're going to just measure it so that you have two ends that meet at the quick length that you've pulled out. First, mm-hmm. to back up, pull the quick link out of the chain so you can use that. <laughs> yes. And then cut the chain and hook it together. You're going to want to hook it with a little bit of slack. You don't want to have like a super tight chain, especially on a full suspension bike. Oh, okay. And then expect it to fall off and move around and go shift. I mean, it, it's not a perfect solution. It's just a way to get home. Right. But I've definitely had to pull this trick a few times and it works. It will get you home. Yeah. Right on. Do you, I mean, you, you don't route it through the derailleur. You know, I mean, especially if you don't have one, if your derailleur is just destroyed. But but yeah, you you bypass the derailleur completely, right? Yeah. Oh, that's a huge detail. Yeah. Good call. I would actually just take the derailleur off if it's like mangled because otherwise it's just going to get in the way and the chain might get caught on it. Just throw it in a pack or a pocket and, and go from there. Yeah. So it's just a straight, like single speed chain line, the most direct line you can get. Cool. Yeah, that's a good tip. I haven't had to use that. And and that's not something that's like a quick fix either. I mean, I don't know. I think for most of us, it'd take 30 minutes at least to like get all that set up. Yeah, and it's definitely not something that's fun when it's cold out, fiddling with the little pieces of a chain. It's, uh, it's definitely only something you do if you have no other choice. Right. Yeah, right. Not just like, oh, my, my derailleur's not shifting great or whatever. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go single speed right here and now. For sure. And I mean, part of that stuff, we might see more issues with derailleurs breaking because derailleur cages are getting longer for these wider gear ranges. And that's definitely going to affect how they hit the ground. Yeah, right. I've been having a lot of problems with my Eagle drivetrain, the GX Eagle. You know, when it when it works, it is great, but it's definitely you got to get it dialed in. You know, the, the tolerances are really tight on it. And also, like you said, I'm definitely picking up more sticks and things in it and it complicates things. Yeah. I've got the same with my XT derailleur. It definitely hits the ground and hits sticks and rocks more than other derailleurs have just because the range is so big and the cage is really long. Yeah. Okay. So what about a bent chain link? How do you know that you have a bent chain link? Uh, if you run through, if you kind of spin your 
uh, cranks backward, you'll see it when it goes across the chain ring. It won't lay flat into the chain ring. It'll it'll usually either go up or down and push the rest of the chain up out of the chain ring. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, you just want to you can leave it on the chain. You, you can leave it on the chain ring, leave it on the bike and put it in the top position where it's just free and you can grab both sides of the chain mm-hmm. and kind of bend back and forth and get it to free up. You want to make sure to grab the chain right next to that link, like the links that are just to the right and left of it, mm-hmm. rather than grabbing kind of wide where you'll end up bending more links and causing more of a problem. So you want to really just make sure that the force you're putting on it is only opening up that link. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. What about if you lose your free hub engagement? So I assume we're talking about like, yeah, you just pedal and and it's not moving your wheel, right? I mean, that seems like a pretty serious problem. For sure. Yeah. So that happens. I think there's probably more reasons that it happens, but one is that your free hub has slid out of place. And in that case, you can take your wheel off, push on your cassette and turn it forward like it would turn with your chain and hopefully your paws will slip into place and re-engage. Okay. Because a lot of them are designed to just slide out and be easily cleaned and greased. The, the other reason it happens, or can happen, is if there's a little bit of water in there and your paws freeze into place mm-hmm. and they won't come loose. And if your wheels all wrench tight together and doesn't just pull apart, you can't get to the paws. The solution can be that you zip tie from the inside of the cassette to the spokes. So there's most cassettes have like cutouts on the inside of the largest cog Mm -hmm. and you can use those cutouts to zip tie the cassette to your wheel, to the spokes. And then you can ride your bike out like it's a fixed gear essentially, but you got to be careful. Right. If you stop pedaling or back pedal, it'll destroy your derailleur for sure. So it's a, yeah, it's it takes some finesse. Yeah, I imagine that puts some stress on your spokes too. I mean, I guess you wanna you wanna zip tie as many as you can, like to spread that force around to a lot of spokes. You don't want to just zip tie it to like two spokes, right? Yeah, for sure. You definitely want to spread it out. Use probably all the zip ties you you have available. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, the stress on the derailleur is is the is a big concern for sure. Like you got to keep your feet moving anytime your bike's moving. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. We had this happen to somebody on one of our group rides just a few weeks ago. And I think the problem with his, it was just an old hub and it, you know, finally the, all the teeth and the paws had just like worn out over time or had been ground down for whatever reason. But yeah, he ended up just like strider biking his, his self home <laughs> that night, you know, just put the seat yeah, put the seat down low and just like use your feet to get you home. I don't think he was too stoked with it, but but he made it back. So nice. Yeah. All right. What about a bent chain ring? This this can happen. I mean, I guess it it used to be more common before the one speed drivetrains. You know, you bang it into a log or something like that. So what what do you do if you got a bent chain ring? Yeah, chain rings also. Yeah, they seem to be a little tougher now, now that they don't have to have shift ramps and all that stuff going on. The one time that this has happened to me, and it's happened to a few friends on rides too, just lay the bike on the side opposite that it needs to be bent and take the chain off so you don't destroy the chain and just find a rock and try and bang it back 
till it's straight enough to hold the chain on. Yeah. Cause if it's a good enough bend, once the chain ring comes around to grab the chain, it'll skip off. So right. Usually they don't have to do it too much. Yeah. That was actually more of a problem with a, a one by system because you don't have any kind of derailleur, you know, front derailleur holding it on. I mean, unless you're running, you might be running a, a chain retention thing that keeps it on there a little bit, but yeah, that could be a real problem. Yeah, for sure. And a bent chain ring can also cause your chain to get shoved into a, any of those chain guides and not move through. So that's another case. You might have to bend it back into shape. Yeah. Okay. Finally, what about a broken shifter? Like say you just destroy it, you know, hit it on a tree or something and the whole thing just blows up. Is there anything you can do in that situation? Yeah, usually not always, but, uh, I mean, there's a few tricks, I guess. One thing you can do is just forget about the shifter and the cable and turn the limit screws in and so that your derailleur will sit in a gear that's halfway tolerable. Mm-hmm. Can you dial the limits that tight? Like you can limit it down to just one gear? I've never tried to do that. No, but you should be able to turn your high limit screw in all the way and get it to be at least not in the highest gear. Okay. Let's see. Otherwise, you can pull your derailleur cable out and reverse it so that the head is at the derailleur and run it through and then tie it around your handlebar. Or if you've got, depending on how your shifter broke, you can just use the cable and tie your shifter around your handlebar so that your cable stays in one place and you can at least stay in one gear and not be jumping around the whole ride back. But either way, you're going to have one gear. All right. Good to know. Okay. Let's talk about tire stuff. This is probably the most common problem that people are going to face. And man, it seems like there's so many ways that a tire can fail on the trail. And these days, you know, people love to talk about tubeless tires, especially I feel like it's people who recently converted, you know, they rode with tubes for years and now they're tubeless and they feel sort of invincible with a tubeless tire when there's sealant sloshing around. But but tubeless tires still get flats and you got to be prepared for it. So let's talk about what you can do. Um, one of the, probably one of the most serious problems you can have with a tire is a sidewall slash, you know, I mean, just imagine like a, like a knife cut on the side of your tire. So in that situation, what can you do? People talk about using a boot. What is a, what is a tire boot and how does that work? Boot is just a way to keep the tube from pushing through the sidewall and then flatting again, either hitting something or just flatting through the pressure of it being pushed through a small hole. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks use a dollar bill or a candy wrapper or a snack wrapper. Mm -hmm. A glove can work well. If you have a big cut, you can, I mean, really anything that a tube won't push past to go through the hole is is going to work. I've definitely used a glove before. It worked fine. Then take it out and wash it afterward. Wow. Yeah, it does the trick if you don't have anything else. Yeah. And there are, there are like official tire boot things that you can get too, right? Um, I think park tool and some others probably sell little doodads that you can carry around in your pack. But like you said, pretty much anything will work. Any piece of like paper or something that's going to kind of cover that hole and, and prevent the tube from pushing out and and speaking of tubes, I mean you need to have you need to have a spare tube even if you are running tubeless. At least in my opinion. Now people 
plenty of people that I know do ride with like a little mini shot of stands and they got their CO2 inflator. But to me, that's, that's, it feels a little risky. Like I still know that a tube is going to be more reliable, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. I, I bring a tube on every ride. I, even in races, like always, it just, I don't want to be stuck. Yeah. I don't like to walk that much. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about too, that there are a lot of ways that tubeless and sealant can fail and only a tube is going to work for you in that situation. So yeah, I, I really recommend it. And I've started carrying, I think you have it as well. The Tubalito tubes, these are, they're fairly pricey, but the tubes are, they're super small. So they don't take up any room in your pack really. Um, and they're supposed to be really, really durable. So that could be something to look into if, if you don't like carrying around a big bulky 29 or tube. Yeah, for sure. They're also easy to wash. So if you do have to throw it in and it gets a bunch of latex all over it, you can just clean it off, wrap it back up and put it back where you, where you had it. So yeah, very cool. Okay. So what about tube repair? Say you are running tubes or what's happened to me a number of times is I'll put a tube in on the trail and realize that the spare tube I've been carrying around has a hole in it. And, and it's actually more common than you think, because if you have a tube in your pack and let's say it just sits there for months and months waiting to be used in an emergency, but you've got tools like going in and out of your pack and those can be sharp or you got like some, a little bit of sand or grit in there. And just over time it like rubs at the tube and it causes there to be a, a hole in the tube. So what do you do? What do you do if you pull out your spare tube and you got holes in it. Well, one thing you can do is put a little bit of air in it and find some water and see if you can find where the holes are so you can patch them. Hopefully you have a patch kit with you. Yeah. After that, I guess the next step is you were saying that you've heard some folks will, uh, if the, if the tube doesn't work out, they'll pack some forest material into their tire to to get home. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of along the lines of these tire inserts that we see, these kind of ones that say that you can use them for run flat situations. And so, yeah, you, you basically find some pine straw or leaves or just anything to stuff in the tire and at least get it up off the ground a little bit so that your rim isn't just completely on the ground and, and the tire is not like flopping around. I mean, that's going to be the biggest problem is the tire is just going to want to like flop. So yeah, that's, that's emergency use only. And the patch kit, I definitely carry a patch kit. I probably, this probably goes back to my impatience that we mentioned earlier. I tend to not do a good job patching tubes on the trail because I mean, you gotta, it's kind of a detailed process. I mean, you gotta like sand the spot where you want to put it on and then you gotta use the glue or the whatever, you know, some of them are self adhesive, but you gotta wait and you gotta have pressure on it and hopefully you found the right spot. So those for, yeah, those for me have been hit or miss, but it's definitely something I carry with me because I'm sure there's going to be a situation where that could save me. So patch kits are good. And I wonder if like gorilla tape would work in that situation. I mean, that stuff super sticky and it seems like if you could just put that on, it's almost like a tire patch. I think we need to test that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably find out. Yeah. Seems, seems pretty simple because all you're doing, yeah, you're just trying to get something that seals that hole up and covers it up for you. Mm-hmm. So could work. Uh, let's see. 
Oh, one of the things that I've learned is always checking for thorns in the tire itself before putting in a new tube. And, you know, a lot of times the reason you got a flat is because you got a thorn in your tire and it, once you take that tire off, the, the thorn is still in there. And what you can do is you, you take your glove off and run your hand along the inside of the tire and you'll usually find the thorn, but be, be pretty diligent about it and make sure. And I've had tires where I do that and I'll find like four of them or something, four thorns, like in various spots. So yeah, that's a pretty easy thing to do. And then if you find one, you can push it out with like a tool or something, push it from the inside back out. It's usually the best way to do it. Okay. So what if you have like a really big puncture, something where I've had one of these just a couple of weeks ago where sealant was just like spewing out of this hole. It was just too big for the sealant to plug it up. So what do you do? I like to use at first try tire plugs. So just try, there's a wide range of them, but um, yeah, I just like to use the biggest ones I can find so that kind of no matter how large the hole is, it'll probably take care of it. Right. I had a set of tires that came with a bike a few years ago that were not super impressive and I think i tore them four times whoa but i got some good practice with the with the plugs which i had also recently found and uh yeah i mean and you and i just left them in there like the the plugs took care of the hole and i kept riding the tires for the whole rest of the summer they were fine so Mm -hmm. yeah you're just like stuffing this sticky tire like compound into the hole and and it seals the hole well enough that you can pump it back up and let the sealant do its job yeah, these seem to be something that more and more people are carrying. Just a few years ago, I don't think many people knew about them or used them regularly. But yeah, there's everybody's got different brands of them. Slug Plug is one that I've got in right now. Um, I've got a cool kit from Blackburn. But yeah, it's basically just like a little, it's almost like a needle type thing. And you put this piece of, I guess it's a piece of, it's, it looks like rubber. I'm not sure what exactly it is. But yeah, it's, it's like a little piece of rubber that you stick on the end of this needle, you stick it right into the hole. You got to be able to find the hole. That's important. Um, and it can be challenging sometimes, but you put it right in the hole. And then, like you said, pump it back up. Usually I think it works best in conjunction with sealant. I mean, if you're, if your tire is like bone dry, which happens to me sometimes, even a plug might not help you out, but it's definitely worth a try. For sure. Yeah. And I would say that with any of these fixes, a tube included, once you've already flatted, if you're having some issues with your tires, uh, especially with a tube, I like to go with like super high pressure when I get back on the bike. Like, you know, I don't want to deal with pinch flatting a tube or any of the other things that are preventable. So I just put like, I don't know, 40 PSI or something that feels obnoxious in it and roll it back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm the same way. And uh, again, I've, that's more from experience too, where I've been kind of lazy on the trail. And I mean, nobody likes using those little mini pumps. I mean, your arm wants to fall off by the end of it, but yeah, a lot of times I'll just be like, okay, that's, that's good enough. Like I'm tired. I just, I'm just going to get back on the bike and yeah, sure enough, you get a pinch flat, like a mile down the trail and it's because I didn't have enough pressure back in it. So, and, and also doing that is going to help seat the bead on the tire, which can help you as well, especially if it's tubeless. And even if you have a tube in there, if it's tubeless, like there's a chance that, that it'll, I don't know, it'll be kind of doubly sealed if that makes sense. Once the bead is seated. 
Yeah, for sure. It's important. So sidewall stuff, we talked about tube patches. You can you can use those on your sidewall as well, right? For sure. Yeah, you can usually patch small enough holes. I've done it before, um, especially on softer sidewall, like cross-country tires. They can stick okay. And then definitely when you get home, there's a whole bunch of different ways to patch holes and not have to buy a new tire because it's got one hole in it. As long as the tread's good, you can fix it and keep rolling. Yeah. Would you do this in conjunction with a boot? I mean, you have like a boot on the inside of the tire at the sidewall tear, and then then would you also put a patch on the outside? Probably not with a boot. If you're going to put the tube in it, I would more so use the patch to actually fix the hole and try and keep it tubeless if possible. Yeah. Can you put tire plugs in a sidewall? I think so. I mean, I haven't actually haven't had to do that yet, but uh, I don't see why not. Um, it's definitely thinner, but yeah, it seems like it's worth a try. <laughs> right, right. All of this stuff is worth a try. That's for sure. If you've got daylight, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> right. What about this one? This is a weird problem. If you can't remove your tubeless valve, so a lot of times you'll, it'll get stuck in there because sealant has kind of seeped into it over time and it just gets really sticky and you can't get it out and you've got a flat you want to put a tube in it uh, but you can't get that that tubeless valve out what are you gonna do so this goes back to our need for a pair of pliers yeah right this would this would solve the problem totally but if you don't have them and the the valve nut is stuck on the valve a buddy of mine carl decker showed me this trick you you can poke a hole with something sharp, your screwdriver, a knife, whatever you have, next to the bead of the tire, and then push the, the valve of your tube through the tire, mount the tire, pump up the tube. Hopefully it doesn't flat because it's twisted or you know, you got to be careful to not obviously not pinch it around the bead. And then you have to make sure that the hole is in a place where it's not going to cause the valve to hit your frame or your fork. Right. But that can be a way to, to be able to get home when you can't get the valve out. Yeah. Right. And, and obviously you can't put it through the tread because then you're going to be like rolling over the valve every time the tire goes around. seems like you got to position it just right to make it clear the frame or your fork or whatever, and also not be coming in contact with the ground. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if you have like super long valves, this probably won't work. Maybe you could like zip tie it to a, a spoke to pull it in so it doesn't hit your frame, but yeah, seems like a lot of finger crossing to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. At, at some point I would, I would say maybe it's just easier to like drill a new hole in your rim just to get <laughs> the thing through. I don't know. Yeah. If you've got a drill in your backpack, you might have pliers though. <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. Right. So that's one more reason to carry some pliers. So you don't have to do that, but, but glad to know that it's been done and that it is possible. That's, that's some truly creative thinking right there. Pretty. Yeah. Carl's Carl's good for that. <laughs> okay. So what about other stuff, other weird problems? So this is going to be hard to believe, but I actually lost a pedal one time during a ride. It was like, we were kind of lost like off trail or on like a really overgrown trail walking our bikes through and I must have had the pedals on backward. I must have had them like left and right mixed up. So for whatever reason, like one of the pedals, I think like, you know, the brush and things like turning it made it just fall off and I didn't even realize it. 
And so I go to get back on my bike and I only have one pedal, but I guess this could also happen if you, if you blow up a pedal that happened more recently where I had a set of pedals where the pedal just like came right off the spindle. And so, yeah, I was left with one pedal, but if you have clipless pedals, you can just pedal home on one pedal and, you know, you clip in and you can use your one leg to push it up and push it down. Get a hilarious workout. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. What about a broken spoke? This, if you're a new rider, this might seem like a big deal. You're like, Oh my gosh, I broke a spoke. What am I going to do? But it's actually not that big of a deal, right? Yeah, no, most wheels should be strong enough and built. If they're built properly, one broken spoke isn't going to be a huge deal. It'll might knock it out of true a bit, depending on the wheel and how it's built, how it's laced. But um, it, it should be all right. You should be able to just take the spoke, wrap it around another spoke next to it so that it doesn't get caught in anything or cause any more problems and keep on rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Spokes are surprisingly bendy. Like, you know, you can, yeah, like you said, you can just twist it around the spoke beside it and it'll stay there in place. But yeah, be sure. I mean, you're going to want to ride a little more carefully after that. I mean, you don't definitely doesn't need to end your ride either. Um, I would probably, you know, if I was out on a, on a loop say, and I'm not even halfway and I break a spoke, like, I don't know that I would turn around and go back. I'll probably finish the ride for sure. Yeah, it'll be fine. Just keep riding. I mean, it definitely, it puts more stress on other spokes when you break a spoke. So you might break more spokes, but it's not a huge deal. Right. Yeah. Is this going to interfere with your tubeless if you break a spoke? I mean, I guess it depends on, on what happens. Like if the spoke gets pushed through into the rim or something, right? Yeah, it can for sure. But a lot of the time it's not a big deal. Most of the time spokes either break at the nipple or at the bend if it's a j-bend spoke and so it's pretty easy to just get it out of the way and put it in put it in such a way so that it's not going to push through the tape afterward right but yeah if it goes through the tape for sure you got to get it all fished out of there and put it in a tube yeah makes sense what if you have a really out of true wheel this happened to me one time during a race during like a 60 mile race that I had trained for, for months and months. And so I, I really wanted to finish this race, but my, my wheel was wrecked. So yeah, somebody actually on the side of the trail, I don't remember if it was like a race volunteer or what, but somebody, somebody was like, Hey, you can just bang it on a rock and try to try to true it back. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for you, but I'm, I'm going to warn you. Like it might, might destroy your wheel or, or whatever. And I was like, we'll go for it. And so sure enough, yeah, he banged it out on a, on a rock and got it true enough. This was in the day of caliper brakes. And so, you know, with the wheel, the rim so far out of true, like it wouldn't even clear my brakes. And so yeah, banging it against a rock, got it good enough for me to finish the race. Sweet. Yeah, that definitely, it's definitely doable. I've had to pull that trick at least once. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, this is one of those where it's going to, it's going to cost you in the end. I mean, when you get back home, you're going to want to rebuild that wheel and put a a proper new rim on it um, after banging it on a rock. For sure. It's also going to save you the money of uh, not having to buy a new frame. Like if you're, otherwise your tire is rubbing against your frame and ruining the paint and cause all kinds of problems. That's true. It saves you money. I hadn't thought of that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Rims aren't that expensive as long as they're aluminum. Right. And yeah, I mean, again, this, this is a good time to mention that 
some cases, like you may just want to walk out if riding the bike is going to cause too much damage. That's going to be really expensive to repair. You know, a lot of, a lot of us, when we're out in the woods, we think like we're, I don't know, like it's, it's impossible to walk. I mean, we're on bikes, so we don't, we don't think about walking, but generally for most of our rides, even if you're out on a big epic 50 mile ride or something and you got to walk out 20 miles, I mean, I mean, I guess it'd take you a day, but I think most of us are capable of doing that. You know, I always, I really enjoy reading uh, stories about people who survive at sea, you know, like their boat, something happens to their boat and they're like in a little life raft or whatever. And I think like, man, that is, you're out there and like, there's nothing you can do. Um, but yeah, but the stuff that we encounter as, as bikers, it might seem really impossible in the moment or, or we like scare ourselves too. We're like, okay, I'm going on this like 50 mile ride, like into the mountains and yeah, I got to be prepared for everything so that I can ride out. But you know, at the end of the day, like you're no more than 25 miles from where you started. And generally in the U S anyway, you're going to be, you're going to be near a road. You're probably going to cross roads at a couple of points during the thing. So anyway, that's, that's my feeling about it anyway. I don't want to, I don't want to like make it sound like it's too easy, but at the same time, I want to keep it kind of in perspective. Yeah, for sure. I broke a frame in half one time and I was riding with some friends and it broke like clean in half, top tube, bottom tube. It was a hard tail. And uh, so I cut the brake line because it was a single speed. So that was all there was to deal with and strapped the two halves on two friends' backpacks. And then I walked out to the road and rode on one of my friend's handlebars back to the car. So it's... Wow. There's there's usually a way to make it work. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't just leave the bike out there. I guess you wanted all the components. Yeah, for sure. I just wanted the parts. And I kind of wanted to hang the bike on the wall, so... <laughs> right. <laughs> I worked for that broken frame. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest problem for me would be, like, walking in my bike shoes for miles and miles. That could get really uncomfortable. So I probably would, like, maybe I would take them off at some point and, like, walk in my socks. I don't know. For sure. It's a good uh, good advertisement for a nice pair of trail shoes that are walkable. Right. True. So yeah, what, what are things, I mean, are there things off the top of your head that you just can't fix on the trail that are going to force you to hike out? Yeah. Anything that happens with your suspension is probably not like, that's an expensive component. That's not really worth risking making the problem worse. Like if your blows out and it's just, you know, you can push it with one hand through the travel, it's probably worth walking. Or if you maybe lose a piece, a bolt to your linkage and you're your bike is just kind of clapping through the rear travel. It's not It's not really worth uh, the amount of damage that you could do to the suspension and the frame to ride out. So I, I would walk in that case. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's, again, that's your call. I mean, if it's a survival situation and, you know, either it's cold or you're dehydrated or something like that. I mean, again, definitely weigh that. I mean, if you're, don't, hurt yourself because you want to save your suspension. But there are definitely situations where you can't, even if you wanted to, even if you're like, I don't care what it costs, like get me out. I mean, like your broken frame example, I mean, there's no way you're riding that thing. And, and, and not only that, I mean, it should probably be mentioned that you might hurt yourself by trying to take the bike out. I mean, that 
definitely will slow you down if you're trying to carry two halves of a bike. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's going to tire you out more. You know, there, there's probably situations where you need to just leave the bike and take care of yourself. Make sure that you get out. Definitely consider that. And again, this is, this goes back to staying calm and like assessing the situation so that you make the right decision so that you're not thinking irrationally like, Oh, I've, I've got to save my bike. You don't got to save your bike. You need to save yourself at some point. So, all right. So what tips do you have for avoiding these trail side mechanicals in the first place? You know, even if you have a full toolkit that you carry with you and you can fix anything, the better thing is probably just to not have the problem in the first place. Right. So what do you do to avoid these problems? Some of the easiest things are probably just cleaning your bike so that you can see anything that's going wrong and you can check the bolts and know if things are, are getting loose, staying on top of maintenance, keeping your drivetrain and your brakes working properly, making sure you have sealant in your tires. Yeah. Yes. Sealant in the tires is a big one for sure. And washing your bike too. I always thought for a long time, like, Oh, I don't, I don't care what my bike looks like. I'm not going to wash it. You know, I'm not one of those people, but it's really not about that. It's not about making your bike look pretty. It's, it's a, it's part of maintenance. I mean, it's going to, your bike's going to run better in the first place, but also, like you said, you're going to be able to spot problems, potentially big problems. Like if your frame is cracked or anything like that, you're going to spot it when you're washing the bike. For sure. And then I guess specifically speaking of tires, using tire inserts, if you're riding really rocky trails, Mm -hmm. having proper pressure, air pressure in your tires and suspension tune for the trail that you're riding so that your, your suspension and your tires can rebound properly. And so that not all the impact is going into, you know, destroying your tires, heavier tire casings, like downhill tires, if you need them, it's, uh, it's worth the wait rather than walking out or, or fixing a hole. Yeah, definitely can be. And I've tried these tire inserts, you know, running with zero pressure and it's not bad. I mean, they don't, your bike's not going to handle very well. This is not one of those things where it's like, Oh, I'll just finish the ride and still have a good time. Like if you have a flat tire, even with an insert, you're going to want to head back to the car sooner rather than later. But, but yeah, you can totally just, just keep rolling on them and, get back a little bit slower, but you'll get back for sure. And then for your derailleur, one thing that can help is, uh, if you're on a long descent and you don't need to pedal shift into a lower gear so that your derailleur is kind of up, pulled up out of the way, it's closer to your bike and it's pulled up by the chain. So it's a little bit less likely to get caught on things or get things caught in it and break. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, yeah, obviously you're going to want to have the right tire pressures and and a suspension, good suspension tune for the trail that you're riding. Again, a lot of us, you know, we, we love running the lower pressures. That's kind of like a badge of honor, like who's got the lowest tire pressure, but those same people are the ones who are more likely to run into tire problems. You know, it's a trade-off. So if you're worried about trail side mechanicals, then add a couple PSI to your tire before you head out. For sure. And also if you're someone who likes to just plow a line and go in as, you know, go in the straightest line possible through all the roughest rocks, higher tire pressure and a stiffer suspension tune is probably going to be better suited for your riding style and you'll be less likely to get flats. So, you know, if you're getting flats all the time, maybe pick different lines. Right. 
Yeah, there's there's people I've known over the years who tend to have a lot of trailside mechanical problems, and you know they'll they'll often say like, oh, I don't know why, I don't know why this happens to me. Like, I, it must just be bad luck. But a lot of times you think to yourself, or if you're good friends with them, you'll say this to them. But like, dude, it's because it's because of the way you ride. Like, it's no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no risk, no reward, right? But sure, if you're riding hard, you're going to tend to have more of these problems. And so, if you can dial it back, potentially you're going to have fewer issues. For sure, yeah. It's there's a lot of things you can do to prevent this stuff. I mean, I haven't had a like a legit flat that I couldn't fix. I would say it's been over a year and I'm not worried about knocking on wood. I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mountain bikers tend to be really superstitious about this stuff. Every time I mention that or, you know, say the word flat, people are like, Oh, you just jinxed it or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't think it works that way. I think, yeah, you can be prepared for the stuff and know what you're doing and you can usually get out of a jam. And finally, you know, we did a whole episode on survival a couple of years back, actually. Um, try to put the link to it in the show notes here. Again, this is a public service announcement, and I feel like we kind of talked about this at various points during this show. But the other thing to be prepared for is just that hike out of the woods. So, you know, carry a light if you can and extra snacks. Again, you know, this is, I forget my survival training now, but I feel like the number one thing that you need to do is to have this positive mental attitude. I'm pretty sure I learned that in the Boy Scouts. And that's that's the first thing. And so to have that positive mental attitude in an emergency situation or repair situation, you need to be, you can't be hungry. Like that's going to cloud your judgment. And so bring extra snacks and bring definitely bring plenty of water um, because again, you're not going to make good decisions or good repairs if your sort of basic needs aren't met. So bring extra snacks, carry a light if you can. Jerome mentioned a lighter, which is good for survival situations. I don't think we mentioned any repair things that you could use a lighter for, but it's definitely a good survival thing to have. Rain jacket, a compass, if you know how to use one. I don't know if many of us know how to use them anymore. <laughs> so we're so addicted to our GPS and our smartphones, but only the one in the phone. Yeah. <laughs> right. I have a compass app on my phone. Does that count? Um, no, it doesn't real compass and, and a knife too. Some tools come with a knife on them. Some multi-tools, which is a handy thing to have. But if yours doesn't have one, then maybe pack a little pocket knife as well. Yeah, and for any ride like over a couple hours or just a ride that's, you know, starting out in the middle of nowhere, I like to bring just a some kind of super packable jacket, pocket jacket, whatever. Like having food and water, being able to stay somewhat warm when you're, you know, when you're stuck and you're trying to make hard decisions is pretty helpful. Right. Definitely. Okay. Well, cool. This has been really interesting to me. I've definitely learned a lot and hopefully our listeners have as well. Um, if you want to get more mountain bike repair tips, particularly trailside repair tips, you can head over to single tracks and use the search bar there. Also, you can find reviews of various multi-tools and tire plugs and all kinds of stuff like that on the website. That's all I've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace. <laughs>